This is Out of Office for Thursday, the 22nd of March, 2012. Using the cloud to improve your personal productivity. Welcome to the Out of Office podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm uh, really looking forward to this conversation that we're having today about productivity because I think it's something that everyone wants to be more productive. And using the cloud is a great way of doing that. Yeah, that's right. And it's, it's the basis of our book, Out of Office. So a lot of the things that we talk about are based on the fact that we've now got this thing called the cloud. And so we're talking about how to how to use it productively. So we'll, we'll talk about some tools that we use, that both you and I use, Chris, uh, to be more productive. And perhaps those will serve as examples to other people. And I guess we should say that what we do is not necessarily going to be the same as uh, what everybody else does. But these are good examples of uh, both you and I have been using it for many for many years. I think maybe we should start with a quick recap of the cloud, Chris, and maybe I'll hand over to you for that. Okie dokie. Well, the cloud, and sometimes called cloud computing, is simply services that are made available via the internet. And by services, that can mean software or data or other kinds of resources. It's really that simple. So things that you might be familiar with, like Gmail is an email service that's provided through the cloud, and then tools like Dropbox that allow you to make files and other data available to yourself or others uh, on a server on the internet is also another good example of cloud computing. Yeah, exactly. And it's got a number of uses. And today we're going to be talking about specifically how to use the cloud for your own personal productivity. It can be used for other things as well, like sharing and publishing. But specifically, let's look at our own productivity. And I guess the way that I always start thinking about productivity is information overload. And that's the biggest thing that affects a lot of us at the moment in terms of affecting our personal productivity. So we have this flow of information, like an information pipeline. And for a long time, we've had to manage that. And now it's just become worse than ever because there's more and more information coming in. And generally, we, we manage it by, by three things. Uh, that's the stuff that comes in. We have to filter, so we make sure that we only get the good stuff in and um, less of it if we can. Uh, then the way that we manage it, so we have to process it more efficiently. And the third thing is then what do we do with that information? How do we be efficient and effective in doing more with it? So if you think about that as, a, as an information pipeline, then the cloud can help us in two ways. So first of all, there's a lot of information that is in the cloud already that we're getting in, but even information that's not, as soon as we get it, we uh, we put it into the cloud before processing it. And that means that we have uh, more flexibility with how and uh, when and where we process that information. And the second thing is that if we publish information to the cloud as soon as possible, then we, in other words, to other people, then we free up the overload and make it usable to other people sooner. Uh, for example, I know uh, I, Chris, have uh, been guilty of this, and a number of my clients also do this. They're thinking about writing a book. And writing a book takes some time, as you and I know. Uh, it can take some months to do that. And what about all that information that you're storing away that goes into your book chapters while you're writing, while you're working on the drafts? It's sitting there on your hard disk, and no one's getting value from it while it's sitting there. Of course, they get the value when it's published, but if we can put that information out into the cloud and start publishing it in other ways, then people are getting value from it right now rather than leaving it, rather than hoarding it until you're ready to publish. So those are the two principles that we're going to talk about, which is uh, put information in the cloud as soon as possible um, as you bring it in before you process it, and also, once you once you are, have processed it, put it out into the cloud as well. 
Yeah, great. And into our podcast notes, Kihan, I see that you've given a great diagram that we might include in the blog notes for this podcast. Uh, and you've uh, described the information pipeline, the processing pipeline, as in, out, and shake it all about. In broad terms, what that actually means is that uh, you filter what comes in, and the way that you can filter that is you can filter whether you're going to get it at a, a broad overview level of detail or at a highly detailed, uh, in a highly detailed form or somewhere in between. And in the podcast, we'll talk about that as filling depth. And you can also choose how you consume that uh, information, how it comes into you, whether it's text that you read or videos that you watch or audio that you listen to. And in the podcast, we'll call that switching channels. So once it's come in, then you can process it. And the processing, by using the cloud, processing it means that you can consume it at different times, which we call shifting time. Or if you put it into the cloud, you can also consume it any way you like if you have different kinds of devices that have access to the cloud, and we call that keeping space. And finally, the out part of the pipeline is uh, is where you publish stuff to the cloud. And the idea there is that you're using the Internet as a kind of file system. The cloud allows you to do that. You can post to blogs. You can tweet to Twitter. You can uh, write on wikis. And you can make Google Docs available to others. So all of those sorts of publications, uh, publishing systems, are cloud-based. And uh, that's the out part of the information pipeline. So should we get started? Yeah, good, good. So let's look at some of those areas. And um, So we're going to talk about a lot of the tools that you and I use, and we're going to try and break them down into these categories. But we should say that a lot of the stuff overlaps. So stuff that uh, you read at a later time, you might be reading at a different space as well. So even though we're making these arbitrary distinctions, uh, actually what you'll do is, uh, in practice, some of these stuff might be a, little, a lot more fluid than that. So let's start with filling depth. And filling depth is just deciding whether you, at what level you're going to get information. Are you going to get your information uh, just as an overview? Are you going to get detailed information? Or are you going to go somewhere in between? So, for example, are you the sort of person who, when you go on a holiday, you like to go to one place and explore it in depth? Or are you like one, uh, one of these people who likes to go on a, like a 20, uh, European holiday where you can see 21 cities in 21 days? And so that, that's more like an overview. But then you might decide to go back and get the detail later. So let's, let's look at some examples. So for me, I get lots of overview information in blog posts. So blog posts aren't as detailed as their book, but I read lots of blog posts and I do that using Google Reader, which is a free tool from Google, and I use the Read It Later plugin so that I don't get distracted. So I quickly look at the, the blog posts that have come in in the morning and then I bookmark them, which, and Read It Later is a plugin that uh, bookmarks them in the cloud. And then I can, uh, as it says, read it later on my phone or my tablet a little bit later. So that's how I do the overview stuff. I do most of my overview stuff through blogs. Um, and when I look at detail, I look at things like uh, ebooks. So I'm reading quite a lot of ebooks now, and because, and I specifically say ebooks rather than books, because I'm reading them using the Kindle app on my tablet, uh, or if they're only available in PDF form. I download them, but instead of just downloading them to my PC, I download them to Dropbox. And Dropbox is a system where uh, it basically gives you a hard disk on the internet. So I save my PDF file to Dropbox, and it automatically gets uploaded to my Dropbox account on the internet, which I can then, again, read on my phone or my tablet. So they're probably the two things that I use. I guess the third one would be listening to podcasts as well, and that's quite detailed because I have to listen to them. But, I, but I've got uh, on my on my phone, my podcast app allows me to speed up podcasts so I can listen to them at twice the speed. Uh, but still, an hour podcast takes me half an hour to listen to, and it is detailed rather than overview. 
Okie dokie. Well, similar to you, Gihan, I read a lot of blog posts as well. Um, and also Twitter. I guess Twitter is where I get links to some blog articles. And I suppose that uh, tweets are even more superficial than uh, the overview that you get from a blog post. And I use Reader as well. And then I subscribe to various email newsletters as well. So they're coming in uh, into my um, inbox. And we've talked in our podcast on email productivity about how to automatically filter things like newsletters so you don't actually have to do anything to process them. Uh, but when it comes to reading them, I'd say that they're generally at the overview level. At the detailed end of the spectrum are things like online academic journal articles. Uh, they're obviously uh, more detailed presentations of information. And then in between, I'd say that the podcasts that I subscribe to are more of a, an in-between level of detail rather than being particularly detailed. I haven't got a speeding up app uh, on my mobile phone when I'm listening to stuff, Kihan, so I'll have to invest in one of those. And I also, because a lot of the uh, the information that I, is in my information pipeline is related to data visualisation, many practitioners uh, post videos of uh, their visualizations and so I find myself watching quite a few videos as well and I'd say that they're like in between rather than detailed description of their visualization it's a pres uh, an overview uh, sort of an in-between uh, presentation uh, of that particular visualization and you mentioned email newsletters Chris which is one that I didn't mention earlier and I do I do subscribe to my emails to some email newsletters but this is one of the areas where the cloud has made a difference to the way that I consume information. Because the email newsletter sits in my email program, so it doesn't sit in my inbox, but I've got a folder for it, it's not in the cloud. Uh, I guess if I was using something like Gmail, I could, uh, I could have it filed in the cloud. But because those, that information, unlike a blog post, I can't read later at a convenient place on my phone or my, uh, or my tablet, I don't like email newsletters much anymore. Not because they clutter up my inbox, because they don't, because I filter them automatically into another folder, but because they're not in a convenient place for me to read later. So that's one area where the cloud has been a big help for me in making other information available, like blog posts, which I can conveniently read elsewhere, and it's, it's kind of turned me off email newsletters a little bit. Yeah, I can understand that, uh, but I do use Gmail, so I often find myself going to my newsletter's um, email folder when I'm out and about and just uh, picking up those, uh, reading a couple of newsletter articles uh, when I'm on the move. So Gmail, uh, like you, I preference uh, subscribing to RSS feed so I can use Google Reader, but if that's unavailable for some reason, then um, I subscribe to the newsletter and by using Gmail, I can access those uh, anytime, anywhere. And the the other point I'll make about email newsletters is, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And I guess I could do the same thing. I could even have my newsletter articles forwarded automatically to my Gmail account and I'll get that. But the other thing is that... When I read something, so if I read a blog post, um, we'll talk about this later, when you want to make the Internet your filing system, you want to share the information with other people, with a blog post, it's very easy. I can automatically send it to Twitter or I can publish it in other ways. With something with, uh, that arrives by email, I can't. So if I read a really good newsletter article, um, I don't have copyright permission to, to republish that or to, uh, to send a link to it or post it to my blog. So again, I get a little bit frustrated by that because I've got this great information that I've got value from, but I can't share it with others. Good point, good point. Well, let's move on uh, to the next part of how uh, information comes in, and that is that you can select uh, between reading, watching, and listening 
to uh, to that content. So we call that switching channels. So as we've already talked about, uh, there's lots of blog posts that we read, and they're already in the cloud, so that's very convenient. As Gihan's just pointed out, you can often uh, republish links to those uh, where permissions are provided. Uh, in addition to reading, I find myself watching videos, and they're again already in the cloud. So YouTube has uh, the YouTube and the Vimeo services that seem to be the most popular ones that I find myself watching are already cloud-based. When it comes to podcasts, um, I've only recently switched to uh, wanting to be able to access them when I'm uh, using my mobile phone, so when I'm out running, for instance. And unfortunately, I've, I've had a bit of difficulty uh, finding a seamless service that allows me to consume podcasts when I'm at home, using my desktop, or when I'm downstairs in the lounge, or when I'm out for a run. So I've had to do a little bit of uh, manual intervention where I pull them out of the cloud, where they've been published uh, originally, and then use a similar service to Dropbox called Ubuntu One, which just came free with the operating system I use, and uh, put them into a, a little private area of the cloud, and then I can access them through my smartphone when I'm out running. So uh, really, wish, if any of our listeners know of a, a similar service to, say, Google Reader that focuses on podcasts, please uh, drop us a line at uh, outofofficebook.com. And finally, again, as most of the, the stuff that I'm interested in is about data visualization, uh, many of those visualizations are interactive and online, so I actually find myself interacting as well as uh, just consuming, uh, consuming by reading, watching, and listening. I also find myself interacting with data visualization applications, and again, they're posted uh, online, so they're already in the cloud as well, which is quite convenient. Yeah, and I think you make a good point, Chris, about having to pull stuff out of the cloud. Uh, and this is particularly a problem in Australia because still, when you're out and about, internet access is expensive and it can be sometimes quite slow. So in other places, like in the US, people are quite used to streaming information, so they keep it in the cloud. So if you're at the gym and you want to watch a video on your mobile phone, you watch it streaming, so you you watch it online. Um, but if you do that a lot, so you might get fitter, but you might also uh, rack up very very high mobile data data builds if you do that in Australia because it is still quite expensive to do. So sometimes you do have to do this little manual in- intervention where you download things from the cloud and you download them onto a device so that you can then watch later. And in fact, that's the way that I, wa- I watch videos. So you said that you like watching videos in u- using directly on YouTube and Vimeo because they're already in the cloud. Um, I don't do that because uh, what I would rather do is download the videos so that I can watch them at my leisure later. Uh, so, for example, there's a there's a site called Scam School, uh, where which uh, Brian Brushwood he shows these little scams that you can scams and tricks and little stunts that you can uh, that you can do at the bar to trick your friends. And uh, I think every week they have an episode of Scam School. And the great thing about that is that they have uh, the files available for download, not just watching directly online. Which means that I can download a little 10 minute Scam School episode, and I will download that to my phone and have that available for me to watch when I go to the gym. So, uh, again, I will, what I'll do is I'll download that to Dropbox, which automatically will then uh, put it in my Dropbox account, and I can then get access to it on my phone. Uh, the same with podcasts. So with podcasts, there are streaming podcast services, so you don't actually, you don't actually have the audio files on your, 
on your phone or on your MP3 player. You just listen to them directly off the internet. But again, that can become very expensive. So what I do is I download podcasts when I'm at home, when I'm connected to my normal wireless network, and then I listen to them later, uh, and they're, they're just files sitting on my, sitting on my phone. Uh, as you say, that does require some manual intervention, and it does mean that you don't have the, the luxury or the convenience of, say, you're halfway through a podcast on your PC. If you then want to listen to the second half on your phone, it doesn't automatically start from there because they're not synchronized in the cloud. I think this is one area where Apple's iCloud uh, is great because I, I think Apple's iCloud does that. You have a, all the information that you want is up in the cloud and uh, it synchronizes automatically between different devices. I think that's right, Chris. You might know more about that. Yeah, in my hunting around for such a service for podcasts, people suggested that um, iTunes in particular is, does that really well. And uh, like you, I'm not very familiar with um, the iTunes or Apple products, but that sounds like what I want but there doesn't seem to be a comparable tool for Android users like you and me. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that that might come later, but also mm. I think it'll be more useful when we have uh, when we have better data access so we can we can do streaming. Yeah. Um see for for example, another uh, something that I do use is uh, as I said I read ebooks and I've got the Kindle app. I don't have a Kindle myself, uh, but I will invest in one soon, but I've got the Kindle app on my tablet and I've got the Kindle app on my phone. And I, I mean, reading on the tablet is great because it's like an A4 paperback size. Uh, sorry, not A4, A5. So it's about paperback size and it's convenient. I can, I can hold, hold it in my hand and read it. But occasionally, if I don't have my tablet with me, I, and I have, but I do have my phone and I'm just engrossed in a book and I want to just see, uh, read the next few pages, uh, the, because I've got the Kindle app on both and it synchronizes, if I open up that book on my phone, it will take me to the place where I was up to. So that, that is synchronized. I don't have to, uh, flip through a few pages to get to where I was, uh, because it's all synchronized through Amazon. Amazon.com, um, all the devices connected to, to my Kindle account know exactly where I'm up to in each book, and that's really convenient. Um, so I guess that's all, all I really want to say. We've talked about the sort of things that I read, um, that I watch, and that I listen to, and I do and I do choose carefully um, which medium I'm using. So I'd much rather listen to podcasts than watch videos because I have to, uh, when I'm I, I can be multitasking when I'm listening to podcasts, so I can listen to them when I'm exercising, um, when I'm in the car, whereas watching videos, I don't want to do that when I'm in the car. <laughs> and and sometimes I will actually play videos on my phone, but only listen to the audio, and most of the videos that I'm watching, uh, uh, they're good enough, or they're 80 or 90% good enough uh, if I listen to them in, uh, in audio form. So TED.com is a good example, that they have all the TED videos available, uh, but I always download the audio version and listen to that. Uh, they've got a podcast, so that happens uh, for me automatically. And maybe one in ten of the videos that I'm interested in, uh, sorry, one, of the, one in ten of the talks that I'm interested in uh, are so highly visual that I do have to go back and watch the video. But 90% of the time, I'm happy to listen to the audio. And as I said, I can do that while multitasking and at twice the speed. <laughs> now, so we've talked about how you get the information in. Now, let's look at the processing bits. And as we said earlier, there the are two reasons that you put information in the cloud for processing. One is so you can process so that you can consume it at a later time and secondly at a later place and this is one of those places where it's a, it's a little bit arbitrary because if you're doing it at a later time you might be doing it on a, at a different place as well but let's just just for the sake of uh, splitting them up this way let's look at them separately so the idea is that as you get information in you file it in the cloud so you can consume it later if it's not already in the cloud so some of the stuff is already in the cloud and what you want to do then is you're filing a bookmark to it 
But if it's not in the cloud, you push it up into the cloud as soon as possible so that then you can access it at a later time and possibly on a different device as well. So I've already mentioned Dropbox, and I use Dropbox a lot. Uh, it's not the only service that does this sort of uh, sharing files between different devices, but I think it's the biggest, and it's certainly one of the most popular. Um, and what you get is an account. Uh, as I said, the easiest way to think about it is you've got a hard disk on the Internet. Uh, and on my PC, it looks like a folder. Uh, on my phone, it looks like a folder. On my tablet, it looks like a folder. And, in fact, they're duplicate copies of all the files in there. So even if I'm on a, on a plane or I don't have Internet, access for some other reason, I still have access to those files. The magic of Dropbox is that if you make a change to those files, it'll automatically synchronize them across all the devices that are connected to that account. So that's brilliant and I love that. I love that. I just uh, quite often I'll just move files to my Dropbox folder knowing that it'll automatically make them available on my phone and on my tablet. Uh, so if you don't have a Dropbox account, highly recommend it. You get two gigabytes free and then you can upgrade and it's not very much anyway to upgrade to the next level. The other thing that I use, as I mentioned before, is the is the Kindle. Um, and I'm going to get a Kindle, but even with the Kindle app, that's what I now use for reading my books. In fact, I want to get rid of a whole bunch of my uh, printed books and because I'm, I'm just reading so much uh, in, in the form of e-books now. And uh, if I see an, an e-book that I'm interested in, uh, because the Kindle always allows you to download a free sample, um, I'll download that. Uh, and sometimes I'll end up buying the book, but even just to remind myself that I was interested in that book, uh, I've got a sample sitting there on my Kindle app, which I can then... Uh, I can read and either delete if I'm not interested or buy later. So it's a nice little way of bookmarking books that I'm interested in. The other the other tool that I use is Evernote. Evernote is I don't know the best way to describe it, but maybe it's like maybe it's like one of those shoe boxes where you put all your receipts and photos and clutter. Uh, so Evernote is like an electronic shoe box. Maybe that's the simplest way to describe it. But you can organize. You have categories, so you can put photos in Evernote. You can put uh, documents, any type of documents. You can put spreadsheets if you want to. You can put PDF files. You can put web pages in there. So it's really for. Um, and it can be your whole document storage system. What I tend to use it for is two things. So the first thing is temporary storage of things like travel documents. So if I'm going somewhere and I print out my e-ticket, I print out my accommodation confirmation, um, if I look up things about the destination, if I want a Google map to where I'm going, I'll, um, I'll save all those things, uh, generally as PDF files, and push them into Evernote so that uh, if I, for some reason, don't have Internet access when I arrive at my destination, then I just look at Evernote um, on my phone. I, get all those, I have access to all those files. So that's useful. And again, because it synchronizes across all my devices, anything that I put into Evernote on my PC will automatically appear on my phone and my tablet as well. Now, the fact is I could use Dropbox for that as well, but Evernote is just a, it's a little bit handier in the way that it organizes information. The other thing I use Evernote for is for storing files that I want to keep. So I might have, I might put a PDF file in Dropbox to read, to read, if, uh, to, because it's an interesting report or an ebook. But then I'll delete it. If I've read it and I think, okay, that's enough, I don't need to keep it. But if I want to keep it, then I'll push it into my Evernote account. And so Evernote is more like a permanent library, whereas Dropbox is like a temporary place for me to share files and swap files between devices. Now, that decision is its kind of an arbitrary decision. There'll be some people who use it the other way around. They might use Evernote for temporary and uh, Dropbox for permanent. And there's no right or wrong here. Just make up your own mind about how you're going to manage your files. And that's, that's the rule about all of this. Uh, decide how you're going to use these tools for yourself.
Well, a third alternative to um, Dropbox and Evernote that Gihan uses is simply to use Google Docs. Now, that's what I use, probably because I'm lazy and that's what I started using. And Evernote and Dropbox are probably better in some respects for particular tasks. But initially, Google Docs was focused on your standard word processing documents, your, um, your spreadsheets and your presentations. But uh, more recently, Google allowed you to upload any kind of file to Google Docs not just word processing documents, etc. But the only ones that you can edit are those that uh, are things like documents and and spreadsheets and presentations. So it doesn't have the advantages of Dropbox where it's available on your local file system and you can edit it and those changes are reflected across all all of your devices. But it is relatively easy to use. Uh, And you can do things like make it available to others. You can also file things in folders. So it does have some of those organizational and file system um, facilities that make it quite useful. When it comes to stuff that's already in the cloud, then I use the Read It Later plugin, browser plugin that Gihan mentioned, mentioned earlier. And also if you come across an interesting YouTube clip, then there's a facility to just press a watch it later button. So it's a bit like read it later, but it's focused only on YouTube clips. So it goes into a special folder in your account, and when you visit YouTube, you can then go through that list of video clips that you've flagged for watching later. Yeah, good. Good. So I guess those are some of the things that we use to to manage things at a, at a later date. And I guess also, as we said earlier, that leads on to that you may be managing it at a different space as well. So you may be looking at it, uh, you may be watching some things at home, some in the office, some when you're out on the road. Exactly, exactly. And so many of the tools that we've mentioned already come in handy for that as well. And uh, for me, when I'm out and about, it's things like uh, Gmail. As I, because I use Gmail, I've got a set of folders, then I can access them regardless of uh, where I am. It's synchronized across all of my devices. And the Google Docs and Dropbox tools that we've mentioned previously are also uh, available for you to use when you're on the move. Um, Ubuntu One is uh, is the equivalent to Dropbox that I use when it's when there's content that I want to access when I'm out and about. And as I mentioned, it's it's particularly for podcasts that I'm doing this. I'm dropping the MP3 files into my Ubuntu One folder on my desktop, and then I can access them through the Ubuntu One app on my smartphone when I'm out running. And the same goes for Google Docs. Interestingly, Google Docs doesn't have uh, a Google Docs app for smartphones or for tablets. But because it's um, accessible through a browser, then you can simply use your smartphone's browser or your tablet's browser to access uh, stuff that you've put into Google Docs. It's not as um, it's not it's not specifically tailored to use on a, on a mobile device, but it's good enough. So uh, that's why I've stuck with Google Docs for the moment. Yeah, and I've, I've used a Google Docs uh, on, I think when I had an iPhone, I had I was using Google Docs. I can't remember whether, it may have an app, Chris, but the app may have just been a link to a mobile website. And as you said, it may not have been designed specifically for that, but it was pretty good. It was pretty usable. There was yeah, no good enough. With it. Yeah. Um, and I guess, look, the only thing I'll add to this is that my use of Google Docs is a little bit outside the scope of what we're talking about today because it's usually to collaborate with somebody else. So it's not only about my productivity, but it's about shared productivity. So, for example, at the moment, Chris, you and I are looking, are both looking at a Google document as we're going through our podcast because we make notes about our podcast and we've just got a single document that we can both add comments to. Um, and that's really my use of Google Docs when I want a doc, when I want to use a document that I want other people to be able to edit at the same time or um, edit without one of us having to have a master copy, then I'll use Google Docs for that. But 
apart from that, I don't. I'll stick to Evernote and uh, Dropbox typically and read it later and the other things that we've talked about. So I guess the next thing the, and the last thing is how you get your information out there. And this one, I think, is more understanding and uh, embracing a principle rather than specific techniques. So the principle is, and you mentioned this earlier, Chris, use the Internet as your filing system. So rather than storing stuff on your hard disk, because then only you can get access to it, as soon as possible, publish information out there. And for me, I've got a lot of clients who are experts, who are speakers, trainers, consultants. They need to get information out there. But I think even for us, even if we don't, then it's handy to do that because it improves our productivity in a couple of ways. One is that we're actually publishing stuff so we get feedback on it. But secondly, it also gets it out of our head and we... There's, there's, a, there's a psychological burden of having a whole bunch of stuff unpublished, unused on your hard disk. And this allows you to release some of that burden because you're actually publishing stuff and making it useful. So, for example, I'll just give you a couple of examples. Um, when I read an interesting article, um, as I said, I read it using the Read It Later plugin, but I'll tweet it. Uh, and that's easy. It's easy for me to do it, to tweet a link to that article. And you said that you get a lot of your information coming into the pipeline, Chris, by, by following links on tweets. So those are links from people like me and other people who want to share interesting articles. Um, similarly, when I'm writing a book, uh, instead of waiting for the whole book to be published, I'll generally cut and paste little segments as articles and publish them to my blog. Because then again, y- useful information is going out there. In fact, it might even increase the interest for the book when it's finally published. Uh, and I have a webinar series, so I run a public webinar uh, twice a month. And I, I like the fact that uh, having that schedule forces me to generate information. And a lot of that information that's coming in, I think, oh, okay, there's a webinar come, there's a webinar scheduled for this date. So I've got to find something to put in there and it might be something that's come in. Well, like you, Gihan, I also uh, tweet interesting links to other people's content. So get it out there to uh, my followers. If uh, it's my own content, then uh, the way that I'll publish that is on my, is on my blog and then I'll post a tweet to uh, a tweet a link to it and also post on LinkedIn and Google Plus. When I come up with something that I want to just share with the people that I work with, then I'll put a wiki page up that holds that content. Now this wiki isn't really part of the cloud, it's it's on the corporate it's behind the corporate firewall. But the same kind of principle applies to services that are provided in the public cloud. So things like Google Docs and other public wiki services, you can restrict who sees that content. So as well as stuff being public, you can share it with just uh, a few of your colleagues, some named individuals, or you can actually keep it entirely private. So the same principle applies whether it's a, a wiki on your wiki on your corporate LAN or one of these public services like Google Docs. And finally, if, uh, if something that um, I'm doing provokes a, a question, then uh, I'll go and use a web forum and, uh, and start a discussion in a forum that's related to that particular topic. Yeah, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought about forums at all, but of course that is another area that's been around for a long time and it is a way of sharing ideas through the cloud. Absolutely. So that's it. That's in, out, shake it all about, Gihan. Pretty much all of the services that we've talked about today are either free or freemium, so you can pay a little bit extra and get a a bigger version of the service. And they're really simple and easy to use. In fact, if you've already got a Google account of some of some kind, like Gmail or Google+, then you already have immediate access to things like Google Docs and Google Reader. So if you're not already using the cloud for uh, managing your information flow, then 
uh, I was going to say dip your toe in the cloud, Kihama. It's a bit of a pretty awful mixed metaphor. But anyway, take the plunge and uh, start to reap the benefits uh, of, that, that, that using the cloud can have for your personal productivity. Is there anything you want to add, Kihama? Look, my, only la- my last comment is something that I mentioned a little bit earlier, which is you decide. So you make some choices about how you use these tools because these tools are very flexible and we've already given examples just in this half hour that we've been speaking, Chris, where you and I use the same tool but for different purposes uh, and because there are no rules about how to use them you have to make up the rules for yourself so choose some rules that work for you um, experiment and then figure out a system that works for yourself great great well great talking to you Gihan and we'll do something similar in about a month's time yeah so great so speak to you then thanks Chris bye for now <laughs>